new. It's fresh. It's cutting edge. This is Velocity Radio. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. How is everyone doing today? I am Deb Creer and I'm the socialite. I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we just have one of those days where, you know, sometimes you just want to go back to bed, but then things start working well. Down here in Atlanta, we have had rain. The little frogs have choked, you know, these, and, and the, the bad part is we're for, they're forecasting even more rain today. So hopefully my technology decides to, to uh, stick with us and that we don't have thunder, lightning, and no power because I am so excited for two reasons. The first is, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you have been used to me on being on Mile High Radio. Love Mile High Radio. It has now officially merged with Velocity Radio. So, woohoo! We are going to that next level. This is so cool. So, for those of you who loved Mile High, now you're just going to love Velocity even more. Um, be sure to check out their website to see other programs that might interest you because it looks like there really are some very, very good programs and posts. The second reason I am so excited is because, of course, always, my guest. I have such fabulous guests. And today is no exception. I am talking with David B. Wright today. David, welcome. Thank you. How are you? Oh, not bad. David is also in Atlanta, so, you know, everybody keep your fingers crossed that the storm decides to... Be good to us for the next hour and not knock us off the air. Um, but before we jump in with David, let me give you a little bit of his background. David B. Wright is a best-selling author and is president and chief marketing officer of W3 Group, a marketing firm that helps businesses get more business through providing marketing services ranging from high-level strategic direction down to the tactical implementation, including SEO, video marketing, mobile, local, social, online PR, and more. David has gotten to page one of Google in as fast as two minutes. We're definitely going to talk to him about that. David has lived in Tokyo, Japan, done business around the world, and has been quoted in numerous publications, including Inc. Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, Amex Open Forum, About.com, and Business Insider. He has climbed Mount Fuji and dozens of other mountains, Love scuba diving, kayaking, music, and all sorts of adventures. So again, David, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great, great. Well, let's just jump right in. You know, I'm, I feel like we're kind of dodging the, the raindrops at the moment, so we're going to try and get in everything. You know, I feel certain that we will we will be able to do the full hour before um, everything breaks loose again. I've been watching the weather forecast, and oh, you know, in, in Colorado, we don't have rain like they have out here. This has just been amazing to me. Um, you know, and, and of course, everything, the, the nice thing is it cut down that pollen. Um, you know, we really didn't have pollen like we have out, you know, have here in Atlanta, out in Colorado. So just new learning experiences for me. But as I said, you know, David is an expert in SEO and marketing and, and just so many things. But I want to jump in and, and really talk about SEO because everything that we're doing really pertains 
to that. Um, so, you know, we toss that term around, SEO, and so many people think they know it. They think they should know it. They don't want to admit they don't know it. So first, David, start by explaining to us what SEO is and why it's still so very important. Well, SEO stands for search engine optimization, which basically means getting to the first page or two of search engines so that people can find mm-hmm. you when they're looking to buy or make a decision, not necessarily just browser research. Right. Well, and I'm having a little trouble hearing you, David. I'm going to double-check with the station just to make sure that they can hear you. Um, so it, it was funny. On Facebook just this weekend, there, yes, there, that's better. Um, we okay. had one of those little, you know, pictures that was going around on, on that for various people posting it on Facebook, and it said, the easiest way to hide a dead body is to have them show up on the second page of a Google search. And, of course, that's true. You know, how many times do people even go past page one to page two, let alone, you know, further than that? Less than 10%. Right. Usually, if people don't find what they're looking for on the first page, they'll mm-hmm. go up to the search bar and then change their search terms and try to find it that yeah. way. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. If I get there, I think, oh, okay, I need to refine my search even further. Sometimes I will do a second page. But, you know, almost always I do exactly what you just said. I think, okay, I need to come up with better search terms because I don't want to go any, you know, I, I don't want to read past page two. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's very important. So, you know, then we also have all these people who say, oh, it's not important. I actually met with somebody last week who said, SEO, it's not important any longer. You really don't have to worry about that. How many times do you come across people like that, and what do you tell them? Actually, pretty infrequently. Uh, a lot of people do realize oh, that it is still important. It's just one of many different ways that you can drive traffic to your website or to your suite page or wherever you want them to go. Well, and so it is very important that people think about that. And it gets tricky because, you know, obviously Google is the, the big dog on the block. But there's also Bing. There's, you know, several other search engines. So how does someone really optimize their website? You know, we'll start with somebody's website. How do they optimize their website to make sure that they're showing up in that, that very first page when someone searches for them? Well, first, you've got to make sure that you're doing things right. A lot of things that used to work even as recently as a year ago with mm-hmm. Google's algorithm changes, um, they just don't, either don't work anymore. Any, they don't either don't work anymore or don't work as well or can actually hurt you. Mm-hmm. If you think of it, um, it's kind of like the old battle between the the armor makers and the weapons makers. The mm-hmm. weapons makers are always trying to find ways to come up with stronger weapons to break through the armor, and the armor makers are trying right. to come up with stronger stronger armor to keep the weapons from mm-hmm. breaking through it. So mm-hmm. if you think of the armor makers as the search engines, and the weapons makers as people doing SEO, whether it's for a marketing agency or might do it on their own website, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it's an ongoing challenge. And it's something that's continually evolving, and you've got to keep up with the latest information to make sure you're doing it right. Right. Well, and, you know, many years ago, when we first started doing this, we put, all, put in all of these search terms. 
And then we were bad because we would put in, say, our competitor's name or, you know, a, a very popular name because then we thought, oh, well, that's, you know, that's going to make us appear in searches. That no longer works, correct? Right. That's, um, that's a very old school tactic. And, um, in its more extreme version, it's known as keyword stuffing. So basically you're just mm-hmm. stuffing a bunch of keywords into your website and hoping that something sticks with a search engine. That is well, no and longer... Google penalizes you, correct? Google actually Absolutely. penalizes you for that. Yeah, they may, may or may not out, actually out and out penalize you, but your research rankings will definitely suffer. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and, and I ask this because I still have people ask me these questions. You know, they, they tell me, well, I'm going to put in the name of my competitor or, you know, I'm just going to think of every single word. And I tell them, no, you really shouldn't do that. And then it's all about quality content. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, if you look at how the search engines make their money, they make their money through people clicking on their ads because more and more people use their search engines because they deliver quality content. If mm-hmm. they don't deliver what people are looking for when they're searching, then people are going to stop using their search engine and go on to somebody else who does. Right. So well, the I'm... better content you provide, the better chance you've got of being in Google's good graces. And by Google, I mean all the, mm-hmm. all the search engines as well. Well, and I remember one time somebody told me they said the easiest way to have good SEO is just to have good content. And I think that that is true. You know, if you really have the information on your website that, that is important and what people are looking for, that's what the search engines like. Exactly. That's, well, that's the core foundation of it. Then you've also got to make sure you've got content to... in the right places, too. Okay, great. How important is it to update your information fairly often? You know, that's one of those things I've heard, too, is you know, the, the more you update it, the more the search engines like it. They love fresh, unique content that's going to be valuable to their, to their researchers. So mm-hmm. if you look at one website that's got great content but hasn't been updated in a year or two versus another, content, another website that's continually producing fresh content that's unique, interesting, and people are sharing it via social media and so on, all of being equal, Google's going to prefer the one with the more fresh content. Mm-hmm. Well, and to me, it's just kind of like you're looking at two store windows, you know, and, and the, the one store has this great display, but it's a year old. Then you look at the, the store right next to it, and it's got all of this new stuff, you know, maybe it's a clothing store, and it's got the, the latest spring fashions, all of those. Then you just really think of the fact that, okay, this store gets it, and you're not even quite, but the, the other store is still open, you know, if they haven't changed things in quite a while. And I think that's kind of right. maybe, you know, how businesses should think of it. That's a good analogy. Well, and now, one of the things that, that we mentioned in your bio is that you got to page one on Google, and you've been able to do this in as fast as two minutes. How on earth did that happen, and what did you do? Well, for those, I've done... I do a lot of video SEO as well, which is basically using a video to get to the top of mm-hmm. search engines. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why that works so well is people love video. The search engines love right. video. Mm-hmm. Why else do you think Google bought YouTube a few years ago? 
So YouTube is actually now the world's lar- second largest search engine behind Google, so Google's got the top two. Mm-hmm. And because Google owns YouTube, they are continually indexing it, looking for fresh content, looking for new videos, looking for new things to share and new things to rank. Mm-hmm. So you take advantage of that by optimizing a video for a specific search term, putting it up on YouTube, optimizing everything you can optimize on YouTube, and um, watching it, liking it, favoriting it, sharing it socially, and so on. And um, from that's a very that's a very simple way of looking at it, but that's the a pretty pretty simple explanation, I guess. In YouTube, where you know what fields do people use that pertain to search engines? Well, the first, the top three things in order of their impact are your title, mm-hmm. your tags, which are basically your keywords, mm-hmm. and then your description. And then after that is watching it, liking it, favoring it, sharing it socially, and so on. So you want to make sure that your target keyword is in your title for your video. You don't want to just call it you know, video 12367.avi. You would actually change that title to something that's relevant that people will be searching for ah. and that you want to get found for. Mm-hmm. And then that target keyword, you also want to make sure is one of your first tags. When mm-hmm. you're uploading your video, you've got a chance to select which tags to tell, kind of tag the video to tell people in search engines what it's about. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that your target keyword is in that, in the first or maybe second tag, or variations of that. And then make sure that you've got the keyword a couple of times in the description. Well, and I think one of the things that, that people always get caught up in are the actual keywords. You know, we all know, you know, we've, I've, I've got my, my product. It's um, seminars on, and videos on LinkedIn. So I think my keyword is video LinkedIn. But there's so many more keywords that could be used there. So how can somebody figure those out without just, you know, doing too many and, and, and getting into the, the stuffing of, of keywords? Well, first of all, my first tip would be to try to think like your customer. What okay. would your customer be searching for when they're looking to buy or make an appointment or decide which store to go into? What's, the, what's part of their buying decision? What, 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 are they, mm-hmm. what are they looking to do? And what do you want them to do? What's your purpose with the video? Is it a, a sales letter type video where you've got a specific call to action towards the end of it? Or is it more general where you're just hoping that people will take that logical next step and pick up the phone and call you or come into your store or your, mm-hmm. or your practice or whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. Well, and now... And one of the things that you, you just touched on was, you know, what, what are people going to, to look for? I found one of the easiest ways is ask them, you know, and, and so you get together a group of your customers or, you know, whoever, and say, if you were looking for my business online, what would you look for? And to me, that's always mm-hmm. been kind of eye-opening. I mean, there have been times where they have given me something totally left field, and then everybody went, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'd look for. And it wasn't what I thought. That's right. It's actually very rarely exactly what you think is 
we think that we're going to search for, mm-hmm. one of the very first questions that I'll ask any client is, what keywords do you think are important? Mm-hmm. And that will give me a starting point to do my more detailed, more thorough keyword research, where I'll mm-hmm. use different types of tools to estimate search volume and see how competitive the keywords are and look and see what's on page one and so on. Mm-hmm. But one of the traps that you can potentially run into is using industry jargon that everybody within your industry might know, but your customers don't use ah. at all. Mm-hmm. For example, back when I was my first real job in Tokyo, I was working for a shipping company. And mm-hmm. when we would reach an agreement on a, on a shipping contract, that was known as fixing the contract. Mm-hmm. Outside of the shipping industry, nobody knows what that means. So nobody right. would be searching for fixed contracts. Mm-hmm. It would ask, when I mentioned that you know, we just fixed a new contract, they would say, well, what was wrong with it? Was it broken? Mm-hmm. So making sure that it's not only terms that you are familiar with inside your industry, but also that your, your target customer would be using. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's, you know, watch acronyms. You know, we all get caught up in, in the acronyms, and we think we know what they mean, or you know, and we do know what they mean, but your customer might not. You know, and, and it's, it's funny, I always look up other acronyms just to see, you know, and, and NASA is not always National Air and Space, um, you know, and, and so don't assume, and I think that's kind of where we get caught up, is we assume that people know what we're, we're talking about, and we, uh, they really don't know. Exactly. So basically, we're making an educated guess, but then we see, we can get back that up with data. And mm-hmm. for the acronym specifically, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll use the acronym and then I'll also spell out what the acronym means somewhere mm-hmm. in the keywords or in the description and so on. That way cool. I've got my data covered. Great. Well, we are already um, at the point where we need to take a break. So when we come back, I want to keep talking about keywords because, you know, that, that's okay. the, the, you have to have that for SEO. Um, and so I want to talk about more ways that people can figure out what their keywords are when we come back, and then I also want to talk more about video because, as you said, video is the, the ultimate. <clears throat> so we want to talk about how businesses can and should be incorporating video. So I am Deb Creer talking okay. with David B. Wright on Velocity Radio. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. Velocity Radio. Y'all know what it is. 24-7 at VelocityRadio.fm. Hey, everyone. Have you heard about the No-No Hair Removal Device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving and get smooth, professional, quality results, here's our favorite host, Cheryl, for No-No Hair Removal. Thanks. Hey, gals. I love talking about my No-No. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments painful waxing and no more wasting your value
valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-No has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors, so it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the No-No, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card, and you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible No-No hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-8386. That's 800-953-8386. 800-953-8386. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification require cancellation fee, auto pay, and paperless billing, and other restrictions apply. If you can't see the difference, why pay the difference? Switch to DISH for the best deal in entertainment. Only DISH brings you the best in entertainment for less than $20 a month. Cut the cable and don't get directed. Switch to DISH because at just nineteen ninety nine. Dish saves you every time you turn on the TV. It's so simple. The same channels cost less with Dish. So since you can't see the difference, don't pay the difference. Switch to Dish for the best deal in entertainment. Get premium movie channels free for three months, starting at just nineteen ninety nine. Dish saves you every time you turn on the TV. Call now to save with Dish. Dial 1-800-943-9074. That's 1-800-943-9074. The same channels for less than 20 bucks a month. Dish. Call 1-800-943-9074 for details. This is Velocity Radio. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal. And we are back. I am Deb Creer, talking with David B. Wright. And before we go any further, David, give people um, how they reach you, how they find you online, and uh, what you can do for them. You can find my website at atlantasos.com. That's for Atlanta Search Engine Optimization Services.com. And basically what we do is we help businesses get more business. And what that means for any particular business depends on the business, but it can include search engine optimization, video, video marketing strategies, um, overall high-level strategy to the nuts and bolts implementation of the tactical elements of a good marketing plan. Um, we do a lot of social, local, mobile, email marketing, website design, pretty much anything that makes sense for any particular business. Great. Cool, cool. Well, and we'll give and people a chance a couple more times during the program to get that. So small to mid-sized companies, and perfect. And um, across well, all different types of industries. Perfect. Sounds great. Well, and, you know, I, I tell people marketing is marketing. You know, and, and so uh, the it, it does, and, and you've got a great website. Um, I you know, obviously went there today, and um, so uh, tell people again one more time what that website URL is. It's www.atlanta.s. EOS.com. Great. Perfect. Well, before the break, we were talking about keywords and how important they are. Um, you know, I've, I've looked at people's sites before and asked them what their keywords are, and they'll give me two or three, you know, because that's, that's the most important one. How many is a good number without, you know, because we talked about keyword stuffing, but what's, what's kind of a good average? And I realize it, it changes, you know, and it varies depending on your industry and things like that. But how many keywords and key phrases should people have? 
That's a really broad question. Um, <laughs> how many how many shirts does someone have? Mm-hmm. Part of it depends on what works for them. But um, okay. you know, one of the things to keep in mind is that there's your very broad keywords, which are probably going to be pretty competitive. And then you've mm-hmm. got what they call the long tail keywords. And mm-hmm. often the longer tail keywords also can indicate more of what's known as a buying intent. For mm-hmm. example, if you're searching for printer cartridges, you could be searching on anything from you know, who the printer cartridge, who the printer cartridge manufacturers are, to reviews, right. to what are the trends in the industry, to trying to buy one. But if you're searching for mm-hmm. um, a brother TN330 toner cartridge, then that probably means you're either out or almost out and looking to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes well, the more specific, again, the clearer the buying intent. Yeah, and and so that's where it's important to know what your target market is searching for. Because sure, they might search for toner cartridge, but then they're going to get overwhelmed, and they're going to think, okay, well that that wouldn't work. So you know, include keywords that say you know Atlanta or Denver or Bismarck. Um, you know, and and then those specific product lines that you carry, which is why you know you you might have a lot of keywords, or depending on your product or your service, you might just have a, a handful. How important is it, and can you even include keywords that are misspelling? Is that something that people should do? It is still somewhat common, but it's not quite as useful as it used to be because Mm -hmm. search engines have incorporated basically spell checking other algorithms. Okay. So if you misspell a word, then they can kind of figure out what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. So purposely including misspellings actually decreases the quality of your content, so it may actually hurt you more than help you. Okay. Well, and, you know, the, w- one of the, the sites, one of the social media sites that has uh, SEO search capabilities built in is LinkedIn. And maybe it's just because mm-hmm. they're not so sophisticated. I've seen people have in their profiles, you know, misspellings of their own name, which to me, that's, you know, that's a little bit strange. but and they say it does help them sound. Um, you know, I have a friend whose name is Diane, but it's D-I-A-N-N. And so if you didn't have that second N in there, you might not find her on LinkedIn. So, you know, it, it's important to have kind of those misspellings in there. That's a good point for, I guess, the less sophisticated search engines. Um, Google is, has become quite sophisticated, and they've got a lot of information, mm-hmm. a lot of data on what people are actually searching for based on not only what they type in, but also which results they click on. Mm-hmm. So they've been compiling a lot of this data for, for years now and have incorporated a lot of that into what actually shows up. Mm-hmm. And um, also well, they I think sometimes... Google is they are trying to deliver more and more personalized results based on right. your previous searches, your browsing history, your cookies on your computer, and so on. Mm-hmm. So what you know, if you and I both typed in the exact same keyword, we'd probably see slightly different results, even though we're both in the mm-hmm. area and we're both having the same keyword, we'd probably see slightly different results based on our different um, different browsing history. So mm-hmm. one of the things I do when I do my keyword research is I make sure that I'm logged out of Google and I'm in private browsing mode. Ah. Or I think Chrome uh, called it incognito mode or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that way I get a more generic version of what the average person would see on the first few pages of Google. Oh, okay. 
Well, and that's probably and even more important because of Google Plus. So so you're looking incognito. What are you doing when you're you're in that search engine? Are you looking at competitors? What you know, what is it that you're looking for when you're trying to determine those keywords? That's often a good first step or one of the first steps is looking to see what your competitors are doing. Um mm-hmm. We've done competitive intelligence for several companies, and one of those part of that includes knowing what their keyword, what keywords their competitors are targeting and emphasizing, and what they're what's working, and what's not, mm-hmm. so that we can find strength of the armor and be able to outrank our competitors. Right. But also to keep in mind that not every not every competitor really knows what they're doing with SEO. I've mm-hmm. seen some pretty well-known companies that just don't seem to have a clue about it. And maybe mm-hmm. that's because they aren't really using it effectively. Maybe their focus is more on paid search or even traditional outdoor and, and offline advertising. Mm-hmm. So that's just one of the many factors. And what I do with, with my keyword research is I'll come up with a, a, a ridiculously long list of keywords. I use mm-hmm. several different tools, and I'll share a couple of those in a moment. But basically what I'll do is I'll, come, I'll start out with a spreadsheet and I'll come up with a list of, you know, it might be 500, it might be 1,000, it might be 2,000 keywords. And um, then what I'll do is I'll run that through a tool, SEO. there's a site called seobook.com. And they provide some really great tools for free. All you have to do is register on their site. Mm-hmm. And one of those is a tool that uses Word Tracker and a couple of other tools to estimate search volume for the keywords. So they'll come, you'll enter in a particular keyword and it will come up with a list mm-hmm. of related keywords along with the associated search volume. Ah. So that'll tell you pretty much an estimate of how many people search on that, on that keyword each day or each month. Mm-hmm. And where so do we find I'll that tool again? Search Sorry? Where do we find that tool again before you explain a little more? It's at seobook.com. That's S-E-O-B-O-O-K.com. Okay, cool. So then, so when we're using it, what is it exactly that, that we're looking at, looking for? With that tool, there's a... It's basically a keyword list generator, and it'll tell you approximately how many people search for a given keyword each day. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking for first there is the more searches, the more popular that keyword is, so the, the more traffic mm-hmm. that ranking for that keyword could bring to your site. Mm-hmm. So all of the equal, if you searching for one keyword, you know, if one keyword gets 1,000 searches a day and the other one brings you 10 searches a day, then you're going to be much better off ranking for the one that gets a thousand searches a day. So mm-hmm. It's going to bring more people to your website. Nice. Now, so one then of the, the things... next step of what I'll do is I'll look at competition for that keyword. So I'll look at how many results there are. So mm-hmm. I'll actually type that keyword into Google and okay. see how many results there are. Mm-hmm. And then I'll divide those two together to get a rough directional estimate of how competitive a keyword is. So mm-hmm. if it's 
if it's getting a lot of searches and there's not quite as many results, then that tells me that, you know, I'll see equal, I'm going to be able to rank for that one fairly easily. But then I'll okay. take a look and see what's on page one for those keywords. Mm-hmm. And that'll include looking for things like video, like shopping results, images, mm-hmm. um, news, blogs, articles, different things like that. Um, mm-hmm. If those are on page one, then I can frequently target that keyword and replace the results on there with the one that I'd create. Mm-hmm. For example, I did a video for an accounting and bookkeeping company up in Woodland County here, northeast of Atlanta. And we targeted one particular keyword, and there was already one of the competitors' videos on page one. So I optimized everything about the video, uploaded it, and worked my magic. And next thing you know, our video was there. The video that was there, the competitor's video, had been knocked down to page four or five or somewhere way back there that nobody's going to see anyway. Ooh. I love that. It's become kind of like a game to me. It's like, mm-hmm. not, not only is it how fast can I get there this time, but it's also what else can I knock down and take the place with my own creation or my own video or my own mm-hmm. client's mm-hmm. website. Right. Because that really is what's important. You don't want your client and then the client, you know, the, the competitor right underneath them. You want them on, you know, pushed further down so that they're not even in consideration. Exactly. So basically, if you're looking at the long-term goals of SEO, the first step is present. Getting on page one to begin with. If you've got mm-hmm. nothing, you get one result, that's a step in the right direction. Then we're looking for population, where we get more, you know, multiple results on the first page. And then mm-hmm. the eventual goal is domination, where, you're, where you've got the vast majority of the results over the first several pages, and therefore mm-hmm. you become pretty much the default that anybody would click on when they're searching for that keyword, because they mm-hmm. not only do you have more of the results, so statistically you've got a better chance of getting the click, but also because social proof starts, starts to take effect. And mm-hmm. people see that you've got not only this result, but also this one, this one, this one, this one, that the logic that goes on in their head is that, well, this person must be, or this company must be very good at this. They must be very good at what they do as well. Right. So I'm going to do business with them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, we've, we've talked about video a couple of times, and you just mentioned an accountant with video. And to me, you know, I would think that a lot of accountants would go, ugh, what on, how could I do a video? What is that video about, and, you know, why was it so successful? Well, this particular one is a simple video slideshow. I've got a, mm-hmm. a pretty much entry-level video marketing service where for three and we can do an optimized video slideshow, 30 to 60 seconds with some nice images, that's music, and everything about the video optimized and uploaded to YouTube so that we should get you renting for your target keyword. Mm-hmm. And then that also leads into an ongoing video marketing subscription service, which for one and a month, I'll take that same video and rework that, re-optimize it for a different different keyword each and every month so that over time ah. you get more and more presence and more and more population over time. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculously affordable. So it's almost a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. As far as other types well, of videos, and- that can really be across the board. That uh, can be a, you mm-hmm. know, something like that simple video slideshow I just mentioned. Or it can be like a PowerPoint presentation that you're recording the screen and you're talking through the presentation on the video. Ah, 
or it can be actually filming you as a talking head, going through, a, you know, talking, talking about your company, talking about some new developments in your industry. A lot of it really, a lot of it really depends on what your goals are with the video. Is it just mm-hmm. getting the word out? Is it positioning yourself as a thought leader in your industry? Is it pure sales conversion, like a sales letter type video, where you want people to take that specific action and click that specific buy now button right after they watch that video so they can buy your product mm-hmm. right in there? Well, and to me, video is so important. And, and I don't care who it is, whether it's an accountant, somebody who owns a restaurant, somebody who does what you and I do, you know, any type of, of thing. People like video, you know, and, and especially if you have yourself in it because then they see who you are, um, you know, and, and it's exactly. almost like you walked up to them at a networking meeting and, and met them. And, you know, and, and as you said, it's, it's not a, a complicated process to be able to do that. Absolutely. It's gotten easier and easier. And one of the things that I hear fairly often is, A, people think that they're not good for video. They've got the, mm-hmm. the radio face and the video voice or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't really matter what you look like. What you're sharing is who you are and, and what kind of person you are, what kind of person, what you are, what you like to do business with and so on. Because people tend to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. And by having a video, people kind of get to know you a little bit. They decide whether they like you, and based on that and other factors, they decide on whether they trust you or not. And then whether you meet the person in person or not, when you do meet them in person, it's almost like you know them already. So mm-hmm. that past of familiarity can be accelerated a lot faster. Right. Well, and, and video is just more dynamic. You know, if I'm looking at a video of, say, an accountant, and, and there's a video of them or a website for an accountant, you know, I'm more than likely, I'm, I'm at least going to be more interested in the, the one that has the video, just because, it's, you know, it, it's a video. Absolutely. And it stands out. I mean, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. How many words is a video worth? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it's it's easy to do them. You know, anymore, all of our computers have built-in cameras, you know, all of those various things. And I tell people, you know, you don't want it to look too cheesy, um, you know, and, and too inexpensive, especially if your product or your service is a little bit more expensive. But, you know, it, it can right. be something so simple. Um, you know, I'm, I uh, exactly. was uh, saw that there's a, a consignment store that it had its grand opening, and they were posting all about it on Facebook, and it was all of these pictures of the front of their store. And I thought, okay, isn't that boring? What if they had walked through and just done a quick video? That would have been so cool. And, they, you know, just uploaded it, no editing, just, you know, and because then I would have, ooh, look what they have there, as opposed to here's the front of my store. Exactly. And the reality is that YouTube and reality TV have dramatically lowered the bar on what's not only acceptable, but expected in video. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a Hollywood quality production to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Right. Or to help, her, help well, somebody help save somebody to make the decision to do business with you. Mm-hmm. And and again, it really is pretty simple. You know, we've all got smartphones that take video. You know, and and it's it really is incredible, especially you know on on Facebook with the the way they have things now, where if you upload it straight to Facebook, it automatically starts playing. 
Um, you know, now that the sound right. doesn't come on unless you, you turn that on, but you know, that's, that's a pretty cool new little tool. And now it's going to, when they have advertisements that have video, that's going to be what starts happening there also. Absolutely. Great. Well, we are ready for our next break. So we're going to go ahead and, and take our break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about how to really incorporate social and video and all of the various things into a marketing plan because you're a marketing strategist. That's what you do. And I want people to, to understand why it's so important that everything mixes together and, and is consistent. So I am Deb Creer talking with David B. Wright on Velocity Radio, and we'll be back in just a moment. I'm not ashamed to say it always will stay this way my hat is off won't you stand up and take a bow this is velocity radio y'all know what it is 24 7 at velocityradio.fm have you ever wondered how you could make a difference in someone's life? What if you could help hundreds or even thousands of children? Students in the U.S. rank 32nd in world math skills. It's time for our children to catch up. Become an owner of one of the world's fastest-growing franchises, Mathnasium. Mathnasium is the leading math-only learning center in the U.S. Imagine helping hundreds, even thousands of students in your community improve in school and raise their self-esteem. Call us at 800-783-0798. That's 800-783-0798. 150 million people suffer from headaches. All you want is for the pounding in your head to stop. Migralex stops the pounding. Migralex was developed by a neurologist and founder of the New York Headache Center. I'm neurologist Dr. Alex Mileskop. After studying and researching the human brain for 25 years, I've developed Migralex, which eliminates pounding headaches. It works for my patients, and I'm so convinced it will work for you. I don't just guarantee it. I put my name on it. Dr. Mileskop's Migralex gets rid of headaches fast without harsh caffeine, sodium, or preservatives. Migralex works unbelievably fast and... And it's gentle on my stomach. Find out how to get your free bottle of Migralex. Call 800-547-6279. Plus, if you're one of the first 100 callers, you'll also receive the Migralex Quick Tips to Headache Relief absolutely free. That's 800-547-6279. Or go to MigralexRelief.com. M-I-G-R-A-L-E-X Relief.com. Or call 800-547-6279. Hello, this is Sean Hakes with Velocity Radio. If you're a business owner with a particular expertise, then hosting your own radio show at Velocity Radio is the chance to become the trusted expert in your field. Our state-of-the-art studios are located in Castle Rock, Colorado, so drop on by for a tour anytime. Velocity Radio hosts enjoy a dedicated board-op production team and a generous revenue share that will allow you to monetize your show while delivering your message to potential customers. To learn more about becoming a Velocity Radio host, call me today at 720-940-9056 or email me at sean at velocityradio.fm. Is Velocity Radio. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And we are back for our final uh, part of today's program. I am Deb Creer, and I'm talking with David B. Wright, who is a best-selling author and president and chief marketing officer of W3 Group. Um, and what we're going to talk about in this session is 
how to really make sure that we're combining all of the things that in our marketing. So our social, our video, into everything so that it is all cohesive. So uh, welcome back, David, and talk to us about why that's so important that, that there's actually a strategic plan for someone's marketing efforts. Well, first, you've got to really understand your audience, who your customers are, what they look like, what their behavior is like, where they hang out, what social media platforms they're on, and so on. And you want to be where, where they are so that they can find you more effectively and more easily. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if it's, um, I spend a lot of time on Facebook and LinkedIn, Facebook is really more for fun for me. A lot of what I post on Facebook is just silly observations, jokes, and so on. Mm-hmm. But it is often I'll post a little bit about what's going on with me and my business. And um, I've actually gotten quite a few clients through that because people appreciate the really, really soft sell approach. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is more like a business networking event. So being a business business, most of my clients are businesses. So that's a great place for me to be and for me to be found. And if your business caters to the businesses, then you definitely need to be on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And one of the very, very basics that I've seen a lot of people not do is a lot of people don't have their, their profile picture up on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not the greatest picture in the world or if you don't think you're photogenic or whatever, it's important to still have a picture of yourself on your LinkedIn profile. Um, a friend of mine who's a marketing strategist here in Atlanta as well, I went to a LinkedIn event that he did. And one of the things he said that really struck a chord was being on LinkedIn without having a profile picture is like going to a networking event, event with a bag over your head. Right. People can't see you and decide whether they like or trust you, so they're, they're going to be less likely to do business with you. Even if you're there and doing everything else right, if you don't have that picture on there, then you're breaking one of the main rules. Well, and it needs to be a current photo also. You know, I've, I've gone to people's LinkedIn profiles, and I can tell that that picture was 10, 15 years old. Um, and, of course, with women, sometimes it's done last week, and we've changed our hair color and our hairstyle. But, you know, it, it, to me, then, that, that gives me the impression that they're out of touch, so maybe their business is out of touch. You know, and, and so it's it's very important that that's the current photo. That's a very good point too. It's now speaking like, of photos, um, the the business equivalent of dating. You want to make sure that the person mm-hmm. that you're meeting with actually looks kind of like what you think they look like. Right, and, and of course More we've all heard those horror stories. Like. <laughs> now I love yes, your photo. The um, implication of integrity too. If somebody's mm-hmm. posting a picture that doesn't look anything like what they look like now, then some people might think that's a little bit dishonest or at least mm-hmm. not being up front. Right. And that can have implications on how you perceive in the business world, too. How trustworthy are mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Well, and I love your photo in LinkedIn because it also, you know, it's not just a photo. It's a very good photo. But then it also mm-hmm. says, as seen on, and then you have the logos from the the various media outlets that you have appeared on. Uh, To me, that adds instant credibility. Um, And that is something that, you know, people could consider. You could also maybe if you were an award winner, you could say, you know, award winner of, you know, whatever. 
but it, it kind of is that, that little extra oomph that, that you can put in there. Absolutely. I got that tactic from a guy named Greg Wales, who um, does a, a LinkedIn, does a couple different LinkedIn training courses on how to use LinkedIn very effectively. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the key nuggets that I took out of his presentation. And I've had a lot of great feedback from it, and some people said that they specifically chose me partially because of that. And the mm-hmm. credibility helps, you know, helps you being perceived more as an expert in your industry, as in as somebody who not only knows what they're talking about, but is recognized by others to as someone who who knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. That third right. party credibility. Well, and it's so important to match with your by all means, put those up there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maybe it was an industry publication that was very specific to, say, building widgets. Um, you know, that's okay to put that there as, as that, you know, have that logo there because the people who are going to buy widgets from you recognize the importance of that. Exactly. So how else should people really make sure that everything ties together? Um, with with what they're doing, both online and then to their websites and, and things like that? Well, first, you've got to have the right level. Well, I guess not really first, but first, you've got to have your overall plan as far as how you want everything to fit into the overall puzzle and how that fits into helping you get more leads, more prospects, and more clients. Mm-hmm. And part of that is making sure that you understand the differences between the different social networks and how to use it more effectively. For mm-hmm. example, with Twitter, it's perfectly okay to tweet, you know, 10, 15, 20, or more times a day. It's mm-hmm. even expected in some cases. But if you do that on, on Facebook, it comes across as either desperate for attention or overly salesy or or anything really but really positive. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make sure that you calibrate your efforts to the medium by which they'll go out. Mm-hmm. And also make sure you cross-link. Um, make sure mm-hmm. that you, you know, whenever you, you publish a new blog post or you publish a new video on YouTube, make sure you share that across all your social networks. Mm-hmm. Make sure you, those get more and more links back and forth to each other as well, and that will also help your overall SEO effort. Right. With, especially with the latest major change to the search engine algorithms, social sharing is much more important than it ever was, partly because it's more important in our daily lives than it ever was. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the search engines have jumped on that too. And if something's not shared, then the implication is that maybe it's not quite as good content. Right. Well, and, and actually, you just brought up uh, something that I wanted to make sure I asked you because it came up in a seminar that I was giving last week. Someone said that they had been linking to someone else's blog posts and sharing them in their social media because she said they were very well written, they were very informative, you know, and, and she wanted to share them with her network. And she said that person mm-hmm. contacted her and asked her to stop doing that because it was messing up her own SEO. And that just totally perplexed me. Uh, my assumption was the person didn't understand SEO because isn't it? better to have more of those things? Plus, why wouldn't you want your own stuff shared? In general, you do want your stuff shared as much as possible. Um, The only exception would be you don't want to have links to your site coming from what they call bad neighborhoods. 
um, ah. family sites, um, link farms, things like that. So if, mm-hmm. if somebody is actually running a site like that and they decide to share your link, then you might not necessarily want the link back from their, from their site. Mm-hmm. But in general, sharing is good. Right. As long as it's, yeah, I mean, as long it's as the content that you don't that you don't mind being out there and in public, which is right. not, and you shouldn't be posting in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it, it yeah, was general, confusing to me because she, yeah, she said, you know, she was just sharing it on Facebook because she thought it was a really good, and you know, and she wasn't taking credit for it. She was, you know, saying, "Read my friend's article," you know, and and she was doing everything she should have been, and and it just it perplexed me, and it perplexed all of us that were were there. That actually brings another good point as well. Um, by sharing other people's good content, you're also going to be boosting your, um, for example, your, your clout store, clout, K-L-O-U-T, mm-hmm. .com is a site that will basically give you a 1 to 100 score on how, mm-hmm. how um, effective you are with social media. Right. And a lot of that is determined by how many people interact with your posts, how many people comment on them, how many people share them, and so on. So it can actually help boost your clout score a bit, which can also help the links from your social media back to your own site become mm-hmm. slightly more important as well. So something like that's a, well, a big win-win. And, and it's funny because I have some people who say, you know, they think it's egotistical to be posting you know, their own blog posts on their social media sites. And and granted, if it's on your personal page, maybe that's a little bit different. But if you wrote it and it's out there, you should want other people to be reading it. And, and you just have to post it in, in various places to make sure that they're seeing it. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you want to succeed in business, then you've got to get past the, the ego side of it and realize that if you're posting good content, if you're sharing good things that will actually help people, then helping those people is certainly better than whatever boost of the ego it might be perceived to be. Mm-hmm. I right. actually went through the same <laughs> dilemma when I first published my my first book. Um, mm-hmm. I was I got it pretty much finished, and I was I was actually questioning myself, and I was asking myself, is this good enough to get out there and good enough to share? And mm-hmm. I taught myself into, yes, it is good enough. And as it turns out, a lot of people loved it. It became a best-selling book. And um, but it's one of those things that if I had let my own self-doubt get in the way, then it might not have even gotten out there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and speaking of the book, we didn't even get to discuss it. What is the book? What's the, the title and, and what's it about? Well, my first book was called Get a Job, Your Guide to Making Successful Career Moves. And that's actually sort of how I got started in SEO. I, as a self-published author, of course, all the marketing was up to me. So I did all my own SEO, built my own website from scratch, and it was an ugly website, but it worked. And um, next thing I knew, I was number one on Yahoo for Get a Job Book. I had over one billion results. And then Mm -hmm. number one on Bing and Google. And then it dawned on me that this would be a valuable service that I could offer to other businesses. Mm-hmm. So that evolved into W3 Group Marketing as it is now. Nice. And now, I'm assuming that the book books. can be on... I've written a couple of books. 
and I'm in the process of, right, of coming up with a video marketing course right now, which should be finished in the next ah. month or two of all as well. Mm-hmm. Great. And basically well, sharing, where do people you know, find all yeah. this information about you? Let's, let's get your website in one more time. The website is at www.atlantaseos.com. And also on there, I do have a free report that I give away. It's called How Not to Get Ripped Off by an SEO Firm. I've seen some awful things in contracts out there and some really bad practices. And there are a lot of sharks in that in that field. So mm-hmm. I wrote this, it's like an eight or ten page report on just some of the key things to look out for. The logic behind it being, you know, whether you do business with me or not, I don't want you to give a dime to those bad guys out there. Mm-hmm. So I give that away for free on my, on my website. Perfect. Great, great. Well, David, any last tips? We've got about a minute to go. So do you have any last tips for people who really are still just totally perplexed about SEO and why it's even important? Um, just get up there and do a video. Get your get your iPhone out, get your video camera out, and just talk to your audience as if you're talking one-on-one to a, a prospective client and tell them about how you can help them. Get that on YouTube. That's a start. I love that. And then just... Learn about things from there. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid you to know, make a mistake here and there. That's how you learn. And that's so perfect because you really do sell to just one person at a time. And so talk to them like you're talking to just one person at a time in that video. Exactly. It's like public speaking. One of the tips is to pick out one or two people in the room that you mostly focus on during your, during your presentation, and it'll seem to most people like you're talking just to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, David, thank you so much for being on today. You definitely um, gave me a lot of information, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, I know that the listeners got a lot, too, because SEO is the ultimate, and we have to pay attention to it. Um, so thank you for being on. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will be with you next week back on Velocity Radio. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way This is Velocity Radio This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.